Ask for a favor. Uh huh. Can I hear you say, come on? Kawaii. Come on. Kawaii. Come on. Kawaii. No. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Listen, I love Drew Brown from Pittsburgh. Come on. But his friends are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Not ramping down. We're just getting started. Nothing stops this train. Thank you. God bless. And come on. The Dallas Cowboys may be America's team, but we're the world's team, end quote. That's Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback of the 8-0 Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 8-0 for the first time in the storied history of the Steelers franchise. An ugly win Sunday at Jerry's World in Dallas, but a win nonetheless. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Come On Network podcast and our latest Steelers reaction episode. Kyle Dawson, Donnie Chedrick, Joe Smeltzer, Jack Hillgrove with you. And as always, thanks for listening. Also, thanks for the subscribes, the streams, the downloads, the ratings, and reviews. You can find us anywhere where you can get internet or wherever you get and consume your podcast, be that Apple, Spotify, Anchor, or another. Also, you can find us on Twitter at Come On Network and Instagram at Come On Network. That's at Come On, C-O-M-O-N-N-E-T-W-O-R-K on Twitter and IG. You can also find us on the web at comeon.network. There you can find blog stories, features, columns, hot takes, the podcast episodes, more and more about our team, and much more, including merch that is here now. Shop the Come On Network store at comeon.network backslash store. Well, it was a 24-19 win for the Pittsburgh Steelers in Jerry's World on Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys, who fall to 2-7. and seven. The Pittsburgh Steelers go to 8-0. Guys, this was a, a very, very ugly win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I guess, and we've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, a win is a win in the National Football League. And 8-0 is 8-0 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll start our Steelers reaction episode in episode 31 with our general thoughts segment of this podcast episode. Uh, an ugly win, but again, a win is a win. Well, I'll keep my general thoughts to just one topic. I don't understand why the Steelers were so quick to go away from running the football. Uh, they fell behind in this game, but it wasn't some insurmountable uh, deficit they were facing, and they neglected to run against what is the worst team, worst offensive team in football against the run. James Conner had nine carries for 22 22- <clears throat> for 22 yards. Big Ben had a carry. McFarland had a couple. <clears throat> I, I, I don't know what, what the problem was for them going away from it, but the Steelers would be down by 10 points, maybe even six or seven points uh, in the second half of this game, and every single play would be a five-wide receiver set. Uh, I know sometimes they like to use the short passing game as a run game, but it, it didn't really have the same effect. Uh, I, I know that the Steelers ended up coming out on top. I know Ben Roethlisberger had a very good, clean game. Uh, the, the receivers, you know, he, he threw all over the place to uh, several different receivers. You know, there were three guys that I think had six or more catches. But James Conner, they only have nine carries for 22 yards against the team 
as bad against the run as the Dallas Cowboys, that's just inexcusable. Uh, that would have really helped out balance the Steelers' offense and I think would have made it seem like a lot smoother of a second half and a lot easier victory in the end. Today was definitely a step back. Uh, we can use a lot of cliches, you know, a win is a win, 8-0 is 8-0. But the Steelers didn't play a good football game today and we're fortunate to be playing against one of the worst Dallas Cowboys teams of all time because I think against most teams in the NFL, this effort uh, would have earned a loss. The offense has to be better overall. I thought Ben was excellent, but uh, Donnie, you touched on James Conner. Yeah, part of it's due to, I think, um, poor play calling, but he didn't make the most of his opportunities whenever he did get the ball, just 22 yards on those nine carries. That's less than three yards a carry. That's not going to cut it. That's off the heels of another subpar performance against the Ravens. In Conner's last two games, he's picked up just 69 yards on 24 carries, and that's simply not good enough. Chase Claypool played like a rookie today with free drop passes. Uh, Randy Feedner calling plays out of the shotgun or perhaps more appropriately calling plays out of his ass on fourth and short will always be nauseating. Um, and maybe Randy Feedner's ass could do a better job at running special teams than Danny Smith. How that man is still employed um, is something we've been wondering for a number of years. We didn't think about it too much this year, but special teams, again, were a problem today aside from uh, – Jordan Berry's punting. I, I don't know why I drew a blank on Jordan Berry's name, but Jordan Berry was actually very solid in the punt game, but pretty much everything else on special teams uh, went wrong, and that's another poor reflection of Danny Smith. So it's good to be 8-0, but not a very encouraging performance today. And I'll say one more thing. Any Steeler fan that is talking shit about the Dallas Cowboys after today's win – where the hell do you get off? Like, I've seen a few sarcastic, you know, how about them Cowboys tweets and shit like that. And if I'm a Cowboys fan and I'm getting that from Steelers fans, I'm definitely holding my ground. I'm saying, wait a second. You see yourselves as a Super Bowl contender and a team starting Garrett Gilbert at quarterback with a fuck ton of other problems took you to the last play. If anything, I think Cowboys fans have maybe, in a way, more room to talk stuff on Steelers fans because this was a very respectable and honestly encouraging day for the Dallas Cowboys and the fact that this game was close at all reflects poorly on the Steelers I mean for God's sake Philly covered the spread against these bums last week so this game was supposed to be an ass kicking a curb stomping a dog walking whatever you want to call it and it wasn't the Steelers got the win but aside from that not a lot of positives to take away from Jerry World today yeah, Joe, I'm, I'm glad you went there uh, at the end of your spiel because I think we owe Cowboys fans, the Dallas Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, Garrett Gilbert, we, the four of us, owe them an apology because we sat and recorded our preview episode and we treated them like they were a, a fucking peewee football team. And I was worried about that a little bit going into this game. Uh, you know, and a lot of people were too, well, when's the Tomlin Trap game coming? When are they going to play down to their competition? They did today. Uh, and I, I personally apologize to anybody that likes the, the Dallas Cowboys that listen to us. Absolutely. I mean, a half of us picked uh, the, the freaking bus driver to get him to the stadium on time as their key to the victory. And we all picked them to cover the 14 point spread. Um, and that didn't happen today. I don't know what the deal was with James Conner, but for him to only carry the ball nine times for 22 yards, 
if you look at the the Steelers victories this year and maybe not the ones because there haven't been a lot of them with the exception of the Browns game where that they've won convincingly but they still have been the better football team and they were today in the fourth quarter at least for a majority of their eight wins this season Um, and a lot of that has to do with James Conner and his ability to not only run the ball uh, efficiently and well according to the numbers but to win on first down, get it to second and manageable. He didn't do that today. The running game didn't do that today, period. As I look at the box score, uh, 2.6 yards per carry. Uh, Anthony Booger McFarland Jr., whatever the hell you want to call him, why is he even in the game getting three carries for seven yards? I don't know. Um, Also, too, um, a lot of people – contribute the success to the Steelers offensive play calling that happened earlier this season to Matt Canada. Matt Canada might not have been there today because he could have fooled me. It was vintage coach Randy bullshit uh, from the offensive side of the ball. Uh, And on the other side, give Garrett Gilbert credit, a fourth, arguably fifth string quarterback that a year ago was quarterbacking a team that doesn't exist anymore in the Orlando Apollos in a league that doesn't exist anymore. And he came out today and played really, really well against what's supposed to be one of the best defenses in the NFL, 21 of 38, 243 yards, throwing a touchdown a QBR of 62.3. Fortunately for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the quarterback that played for them today, a majority of the day, number seven is just a warrior uh, and came out in the second half like a a man possessed. And uh, that to me, and those 15 points unanswered in the fourth quarter, that's your ball game right there. And Ben Roethlisberger's got a lot to do with it. Man, a lot, a lot to unpack here. Number one, we are giving Garrett Gilbert way too much credit for his performance today. Uh, 21 of 38 is near 50% completion percentage. He only had the yardage that he had because he had a bunch of guys that caught big passes and had yards after the catch. His quarterback rating was 72.6. He threw an interception that frankly wasn't a very good interception. Uh, a lot of the reason why Dallas was in this game today was because of the rushing game. And this is an unacceptable performance again from this defense against the rush. This was supposed to be one of the best rush defenses in the league. Uh, it bottled up Derrick Henry. It bottled up Saquon Barkley to, to have his probably going to be, and we've said this a couple of times, his worst performance in his NFL career. Uh, you name them. The running backs have been horrible against the Steelers rush defense this year. And today, Tony Pollard, goes out and averages 6.3 a damn carry. Unacceptable. Ezekiel Elliott got more bottled up than Tony Pollard did and then Garrett Gilbert did rushing the football. Just unacceptable from the Steelers' rush defense. I was really disappointed with the rush defense. I was all right, I guess, with the, with the pass defense and the defense as a whole. And listen, when it came down to it, the defense made the stops and got the turnovers when it had to. Cam Sutton made a really nice play on the fumble that Minka Fitzpatrick recovered. And, of course, Cam Hayward. And, and the only damn time Robert Spillane showed up at any point in this game uh, during the play that Minka Fitzpatrick had the pick on in the end zone uh, was a really important play, too. Uh, but this defense just wasn't good enough today for, from the top down against the run. Uh, the offense, besides for Ben Roethlisberger, I think Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and maybe Chase Claypool. I think Joe mentioned the three drops that Claypool had. He had targeted 13 times, eight receptions for 69 yards, but it felt like a meaningless eight receptions for 69 yards. None, none of those pop off to me as, as a huge catch for the Pittsburgh Steelers for Claypool. Uh, I thought Juju had a great game. I thought Ben Roethlisberger 
God, it took a while to get going, like I said in our commentary on the website. But after that, he was exceptional today. Three touchdowns, and especially after getting hurt, to throw for over 300 yards like he did is great. Uh, James Conner, not good enough. But I'm with Donnie here on the Conner train in this game. of the, They abandoned the run so damn quick. And at one point I went over, we were at Wild Things Park today, uh, watching the game at the Black and Gold Watch Party. At one point, I, and I went over to Donnie and I said, why the hell do they abandon the run so fast? It seems like every single time they get down, they completely abandon the run. It's like they have to pass the ball if they're down one score. And that doesn't make sense to me. And, and the last point I'll make generally speaking is to Joe. I think it was Joe that brought up Danny Smith and the special teams. I get the backward pass on the one punt return and that ends up resulting in something because you're not expecting that but to have a perfectly placed pooch uh, pooch kick after the personal foul penalty against Dallas that had them kicking off at the 40 45 yard line Chris Boswell's kick was awesome and the guy goes 70 yards up the field and they're lucky that they had a block in the back on both occasions I believe maybe it wasn't the second one but the first one definitely had a block in the back Danny Smith is is an ass he is horrible with the special teams, and he's been that way for a couple of years now. It's just been kind of overshadowed this year by Ray Ray McLeod's performance in the return game. Uh, the punting still has been dog shit all year. Jordan Berry averaged 50.8 a game or 50.8 a punt today, uh, so that was a little bit better, but only netted average 30.3 in his, his four punts today. So it's still not that much more impressive than what Dustin Colquitt was doing uh, at the beginning of the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers, that the special teams is just not good enough. Uh, and that's, I think, a, a large part to Danny Smith. But uh, again, I think we, we're very privileged as Steelers fans right now as we shift over to our biggest takeaway of this game. We're very privileged as Steelers fans, I think, right now, because this, I mean, if you listen to the last six or seven minutes now of this podcast episode, you're going to say, well, shit, did the Steelers get their asses kicked? by the Dallas Cowboys today, and little do we know that it was a 24-19 victory and the Steelers are 8-0. I don't want to keep going back to a win is a win as a philosophy for the Steelers because I think we all agree that this performance was not good enough by the Pittsburgh Steelers as we shift to our biggest takeaway. But again, it seems like we're in a pretty good spot if we've got this much to complain about from a game and the Steelers still found a way to win. Yeah, and my biggest takeaway is that this team is not going undefeated. I, I think Joe might have been somebody that mentioned that uh, in the last few weeks. But even though they just pulled off a 3-0 and stretch all on the road uh, and they're going to return to Heinz Field for the first time in nearly a month, 8-0, uh, there's going to be a point where this team slips up. There's still some difficult games on this schedule. Uh, and you know, to, to quote what Big Ben said today, in the NFL, there's really no easy games. And I, I kind of agree there because uh, you see it every year that, uh, you know, the phrase any given Sunday kind of holds true. There, there are teams that are like the Dallas Cowboys, two and seven, that will go toe-to-toe with a, an undefeated team like the Pittsburgh Steelers and take them right down to the wire. That's the beautiful thing about the NFL that I don't think we get at the college or high school level. Uh, but this squad is going to run into uh, some tough games. You know, you have the Thanksgiving night game against Baltimore, which initially thinking that they would lose at Baltimore and then win at home on Thanksgiving. Maybe that gets flip-flopped. Maybe they end up sweeping the Ravens. Uh, but another game I really uh, have circled is the uh, game in mid-December 
at Buffalo on Sunday night football. I know there's no fans or there will, there will likely be no fans at that game. Uh, but Buffalo played an excellent game today. Uh, you know, they gave up, you know, they, they, they took their licks against Seattle, but they defeated the Seahawks at home and they put up uh, over 40 points uh, on what may be the best team in the, the NFC. So I, I think that's definitely a game there where you have to think the Steelers will probably go down. It's just so hard to expect a team to go 16-0. and I mean, Jesus, wh- wh- why do you think we've only ever seen it in our lifetimes once? And that team didn't even win the Super Bowl. I'd rather this team, you know, lose a couple of games, go 15-1 and or 14-2, and as long as that helps them out in the long run of the season. Yeah, my biggest takeaway is that the 72 Dolphins are safe. So basically the exact same thing as Donnie just said, only with a more creative lead-in. Um, not that I ever expected the Sewers to go undefeated. And to clarify Don's comment earlier, the reason I brought it up a few days ago on our preview episode was that if the Steelers start 10-0, which I still think is a strong possibility, people are going to talk about uh, the possibility of going undefeated. So that's why I mentioned it. I at no point ever thought the Steelers had a chance to go 16-0. and And I don't think 15-1 and now is very likely either, I think. I still think 14 and two is in play. I think 13 and three um, might even be a worst case scenario. I don't see them being worse than 13 and three. Uh, but yeah, anybody um, who thought that the Steelers even had a chance to go undefeated, hopefully they're reevaluating that after watching today's game. And 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 Mercury Dolphins team, they're going to be celebrating uh, fairly soon, fairly soon at some point this season at least. Well, my biggest takeaway, and if it was ever in doubt, Mike McCarthy is still a very, very good football mind and a very good football coach. Just like for a majority of last season, like I think Mike Tomlin is a very good football coach. Mike McCarthy today took a fourth string Alliance of American football quarterback and took the only undefeated team left in the NFL down to the wire. Um, I, and I know we talk about the Steelers, that's our team, but Mike McCarthy comes back into the NFL after a hiatus, uh, getting laid off from the Packers and, you know, is dealt a shit hand in Dallas. This team does not have a healthy Ezekiel Elliott. They have a young receiving core. They don't have a quarterback of either starting or second string variety. I mean, for God's sake, they were able to put together a game plan today with Garrett Gilbert that won them the time of possession battle by seven minutes and the Steelers did not turn the ball over. Dallas turned the ball over twice. The Steelers had no turnovers and they still lost the time of possession battle 33-24 to 26-36. I think that's a, a huge testament as well as it is to the Steelers defense not being able to get off the field on third down. Uh, the Cowboys you know, right around 50% on third down, eight of 17. Um, but Shout out to Mike McCarthy. He put together a good game plan. And Kyle, you alluded to it earlier in the podcast. Um, Garrett Gilbert breaking away uh, for, you know, extending the play and and running for that first down. And Tony freaking Pollard uh, running it very, very well and having multiple 20-yard plays. Uh, Kudos to Mike McCarthy and kudos for him to be able to get his staff to put a game plan together uh, that, that had them in the ball game all afternoon. Um, but And if there's a Steelers perspective from my takeaway is that offensively, the play calling, they got to get their shit together because, again, to it all boils down to the same theme. And, Kyle, I don't know if you're going that way too, but 
the Steelers are not going undefeated because they will find a team, probably the th- 30 of the other teams in the NFL with the ex- uh, exception of the goddamn Jets because they're a disgrace, probably beat the Steelers today with an applicable quarterback. Um, they got to get their shit together because if they don't, you know, you run into this kind of scenario uh, sporadically throughout the season. Okay, lie averages, you run into it your first playoff game. I mean, that's wouldn't that be so Steelers for them to be fourteen and two or even fifteen and one and just lay an egg in their first playoff game? Because performances offensively, like we saw today, that that could very well happen. So they have to have to have to get it together, or else you know, Super Bowl aspirations might might be a little bit out of the question, despite them being 8-0. Man, I, I really hope this is an overreaction to what we saw today against the Dallas Cowboys. We, I mean, we are absolutely shredding this Pittsburgh Steelers team that is 8-0. But, again, I think it's rightfully so today. There are a couple takeaways I have from this game. Uh, number one being I'm still pretty damn confident in the receiver's room. Uh, I was talking with Tony Busilli, who's our, our GM down at the Wild Things, after the game was over and we had cleared the stadium and everything about – Uh, takeaways from the game and we were just kind of bullshitting about everything and the receivers came up Uh, Chase Claypool was was bad today I think by some people's standards even by Joe's standards by my standards with a couple drops he still has eight catches for 69 yards Juju Smith-Schuster's touchdown catch was awesome Uh, the individual effort that he had on that play uh, I don't give a damn if he's going to continue to dance and continue to do this shit that he's done to build his brand. If he's going to play like that, I'll pay him $10 million, $11 million a year if they can find the room and the budget to keep him around because he was exceptional today. Deontay Johnson, of course, has the big 42-yard catch, part of his six for 77 day. Eric Ebron hurdles a dude on his way to the end zone. This This room and of weapons that Ben Roethlisberger has is awesome. But my, my biggest takeaway from this game, uh, other than Benny Snell putting up arguably the greatest fantasy performance ever with three attempts for one yard and Mason Rudolph, if you have a two quarterback lead and you have him in the, in the thing with two of three for three yards and his exceptional performance in relief of Ben Roethlisberger is that if Ben Roethlisberger wasn't in the MVP conversation before this week, he absolutely should be after this week because the difference between this team and last year's team is number seven for the Pittsburgh Steelers and and you can maybe put put Chase Claypool in that conversation and a healthy James Conner in that conversation but the difference between the two teams is competent quarterback play and beyond competent quarterback play from number seven today and Ben Roethlisberger 29 of 42 306 three touchdowns again no interceptions that's 15 and four if you're counting on the year, and he's completing nearly 60% or nearly 70%, I think, of his passes this year for over 1,600 yards. Ben Roethlisberger isn't eye-popping with his numbers this year, and I think that's what's going to hold him back from MVP consideration. But if we are talking most valuable to a team, Ben Roethlisberger is the most valuable player, and I don't think it's even close around the NFL. Maybe Russell Wilson is in the conversation and Patrick Mahomes is there. But if Ben Roethlisberger is not the quarterback of the Pittsburgh probably Steelers probably right put now, Rogers they might there be for two. What's not, that? Not to cut you off. I'd put Rodgers up there, too, yeah. not to cut you off. I, I think the Steelers, if Ben Roethlisberger is not the quarterback right now, they might be 5-3, and three, maybe even worse the way that things have gone this year. Because, again, it's, it's just it starts with the quarterback play, and, and Ben's just been so great this year uh, in, in coming back. And I think 
arguably for the first time, he may be a potential unanimous player of the game for us as we move forward. But with that said, let's turn over to our turning point or our play of the game. And I think this is kind of tough, uh, again, because there's so many plays in this game that kind of flip things around uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers in their own right, but also at the same time probably plays uh, that maybe don't get the consideration for this type of, of, I don't know if it's an honor really, but this type of discussion in terms of our turning point or player of the game. I'm not going to go with a turnover or a touchdown. I'm going to go with the 42-yard pass to Deontay Johnson uh, on one of the Steelers' last drives of the game uh, because I thought that was the point, at least for me watching it, where I felt really confident that the Steelers would score on that drive and then go on to win the game. I don't know why I felt that way, uh, but just it's pretty much just how it happened. Uh, A 42-yard pass to Johnson – that really got things rolling on that drive. They're able to punch it in, take the lead, and then the defense uh, bails them out in the end. Uh, But that was just the point for me where I've started to feel that the tide was really turning uh, on the side of the Steelers for the first time all afternoon. I'll go with Big Ben's touchdown pass to James Washington to make it 13-6. to Uh, Just a few plays before that, we were holding our breaths, obviously, due to Ben's knee. And that ended up being a concern until the start of the second half. But when Ben went down, he got back up, converted a key third down, and then found Washington in the end zone for the Steelers' first points of the game, which came a lot later than most of us expect. All of us expected them to. Um, it was pretty much all Steelers from there and made it uh, made it a 13-6 game. The Steelers obviously um, kind of took care of business um, from that point on. Uh, but, yeah, not an obvious turning point, but if I had to pick one, uh, that would be my play. That touchdown pass to James Washington um, on the week that I benched him for my fantasy team. So, For me, my turning point, it, <clears throat> excuse me, is the Minka Fitzpatrick interception uh, on third and goal at, at the Steelers' five-yard line. That drive for Dallas right after uh, Pittsburgh scored a touchdown uh, made it 19-15 to with a personal foul penalty against Dallas that um, gave uh, Mike Tomlin the option to have Chris Boswell kick it off from midfield. And you think, okay, have Chris Boswell uh, boot one up high and try and pin him deep. And they did that. Uh, and they were able um, uh, to return it 64 uh, yards down the sideline. And it set the Cowboys up to, um, to start that drive in Steelers territory at the 36. And you're thinking, okay, if the Steelers had any momentum to win this football game, to you know, cut it to one possession after a touchdown and make it 19 to 15, Dallas just took it all away with a big return and an opportunity to score. Um, they moved it down the field. They got it to the five-yard line. And one of, if not the best safety in football, put his stamp on the game for the first time, obviously, until the last play of the game, breaking it up at the goal line. Uh, deja vu like last week. Minka Fitzpatrick stepping in front of said Wilson Jr. No points on the board for the Cowboys. And to me, that's the turning point. Yeah, I'm with you, Jack, on the turning point there. I think Minka Fitzpatrick's interception was was when I really felt like, you know what, they've got a legitimate shot to come back and win this football game. And it was the point where I said, I don't even give a damn if they cover at this point, just win the football game. And when Minka made that interception, obviously very huge, there was a big reason why Minka was able to make that interception. And that's because the combination of Cam Hayward from behind, who, by the way, I think was really underrated today, 
Uh, he had a half a sack, four combined tackles, but three QB hits in a TFL. Uh, TJ Watt only had a, uh, only had one tackle today. It was an assist, but he had a, a half a sack uh, for the eight and a half yard loss, three quarterback hits and three PDs. Um, but the combination of Cam Hayward and, like I said earlier, I thought Spillane was atrocious today uh, in coverage and stopping the run. Uh, six tackles is what a middle linebacker should have, if not more. Um, and I know he's supposed to be Jack Lambert Jr., and I can't expect him to have a pick six every week and have 11 tackles and, and be this amazing player on the defensive side of the ball for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I'll give him credit. On that play that Minka had the interception, he absolutely – bull rushed Garrett Gilbert uh, and got into the backfield while Cam Hayward was kind of pulling on Gilbert from behind. But Hayward made that play happen. Spillane had the assist and Minka Fitzpatrick obviously has the interception that I think kind of turned the game a little bit. Uh, But there are for me several plays in that second half that that are of note in terms of turning the game in the Steelers' favor and then ultimately winning the Steelers the game. I mean, Nick Fitzpatrick ends up having, for the second consecutive week, a PBU at the end of the football game in the end zone. Uh, he continues to make plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers after he was a little quiet in the first couple weeks of the season. And I think another turning point, maybe not a turning point, but another huge play in the game is obviously Chris Boswell hitting from 59 yards. And you can look at the other two extra points that he missed, one of them being blocked as is big factors in the contest as well. But a franchise record 59-yard field goal that for my money probably was good from 65 or 66, he absolutely shit on that football. Um, And it went through the uprights with ease for Chris Boswell uh, at the end of the first half that made it 13-9. And Joe's turning point, I think, was a big part of the game as well with that, that Washington touchdown. Uh, that said, let's flip over to our player of the game as we start to run out of time here on, on episode 31 of the Come On Network podcast, our Steelers' reaction to the Cowboys' win. Uh, but our player of the game, maybe it's up for grabs. Maybe it's uh, pretty unanimous. We'll see. Ben Roethlisberger, 300 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, was not sacked. Uh, went down with a somewhat worrisome-looking injury late in the first half, but he jumped back on his white horse. He came out for the second half. And he helped the Steelers win the game. Without Big Ben, the Steelers are seven and one instead of eight and zero. Yeah, in our uh, post game write up, I actually gave it to Garrett Gilbert just to be different. But I've come to my senses since then. Uh, it's Ben Roethlisberger. This was the first time in probably about two years where Ben was the man of the hour. He was basically the reason the Steelers won this football game. And those games are few and far between now that uh, Ben's older and can't put up the numbers he used to do. But there's two times this season where Ben has really impressed me from a stat standpoint. Uh, first game was against – was that win against the Eagles, and he wasn't the man of the hour that afternoon. That day obviously belonged to Chase Claypool. And then today against the Dallas Cowboys. If Ben plays the way he did – Because remember, he was coming off two subpar games in a row, maybe three if you count Cleveland, but that game was over at halftime, so not really a great day for a quarterback to pick up stats. But Tennessee and Baltimore, he did not play well. And I think if he played the way he did against the Titans or against the Ravens, the Steelers probably lose his football game. But, no, it was a great bounce-back performance from – 
Ben Roethlisberger. It was, I think, his best individual performance of the year. Um, and ergo, his best individual performance since 2018. Um, he showed that uh, he still um, has the capability of being the reason the Steelers win a football game. And, yeah, just a fantastic performance by Big Ben. And if they don't get a good performance from Roethlisberger, if they get a bad one or even an average one, we might not be looking at an undefeated football team right now. Yeah, I think you could make a case for Minka Fitzpatrick, um, but it goes back to, Kyle, your point about value to a team. It's Ben Roethlisberger today, and it's not close. I mean, when Mason Rudolph came into the game, and I know it was at the end of the second half, but watching that guy play football, I would rather watch two grown men fish than watch Mason Rudolph play quarterback. I, it doesn't I, – I, and I love the Steelers just as much as you guys, but Mason Rudolph stinks. The only impressive thing about Mason Rudolph is his Instagram model reputation of dating Instagram models. Like he, I mean, That's pretty much the only thing he's got going for him. That guy will never be a successful starting quarterback in the NFL – and with him, it, I think whoever said it maybe said six and two or five and three. I'm not sure the Steelers are 500 with Mason Rudolph at the helm through these first eight games. Uh, Ben's my player of the game, and it's not close. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. I'm not loving the hate on Mason Rudolph right now. I know that too. Must Jack must have started him in his fantasy lineup today. Two of three for three. No, he just stinks. I don't agree with that at all. Uh, but my, my player, the do game, you settle for him for 16 games? No, but th- I don't have to settle for him for 16 games right now. So I don't think there's any Be glad you don't. <laughs> I mean, I would rather, I would rather have him than a guy that uh, makes duck noises and, and is named after a mallard. So here we are, I guess, or, or Josh Dobbs known rocket scientist. Uh, but yeah, Ben Roethlisberger is the player of the game. For all the reasons I talked about, it is the biggest takeaway and, and all the reasons you guys have talked about uh, in this segment of the Come On Network podcast, Steelers reaction, our latest uh, version of it. Ben Roethlisberger is the player of the game, and I don't really feel the need to explain it uh, anymore, so I won't. That's it for episode 31 of the Come On Network podcast this week, Steelers reaction episode. A reminder that you can find us on any device that gets internet or wherever you get and consume your podcast, be that Apple, Spotify, Anchor, or another. Also, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network. That's at Come On, C-O-M-O-N, Network, N-E-T-W-O-R-K on Twitter and IG. You can also find us on the web at Network. There you can find blog stories like our Steelers post-game commentary, which features Donnie, myself, and Joe's immediate thoughts or semi-immediate thoughts on the win tonight, features columns, hot takes, the podcast episodes you can learn more about our team and shop our merch collection at comeon.network backslash store well take away all the bitching take away all the moaning the Steelers play the Cincinnati Bengals next week we'll release our Steelers preview episode on Friday morning at 5 a.m. for the first Bengals matchup of the year and until then stay safe go Steelers and come on